morning, everyone. It is good to be back with you in person this week. I appreciate all of your grace last week for putting up with me leading worship by a big screen over there. It was interesting, and um, I if, surely hope we never have to do that again, but Tracy had the best idea of how to reprise that, of putting me on a, a stack of boxes with a little TV and call it the gym bot. Um, so we will... Hopefully an idea we never have to try, but um, if so, we're in for a treat there. Um, well, it is really good to be back with you, and uh, today we're continuing our series for Eastertide, Can We Talk About the Weather, where we're exploring what it might look like as a faith community to engage in faithful dialogue on a challenging topic, climate change. The idea is that the sermon and worship begins the conversation that we're going to have right after service today, uh, immediately below us in the fellowship hall. And all of you are invited, would love for you to join in. Um, and the conversation we'll have downstairs will inform my sermon next Sunday. Really what this is doing is seek to practice what I really hope to do every week, for the sermon to maybe be the first word on a topic or to start a conversation, but certainly not for it to be the last word and definitely not for it to be the only word. To get our conversation going today, we turn to the end of John's Revelation, one of my favorite texts in the whole New Testament. Friends, I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 21st chapter of Revelation, beginning with the first verse. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this. For these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Friends, this is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. In the... Um, Harry Potter books and films, Rubius Hagrid is the large, hairy, but very lovable wizard who is the keeper of keys and grounds at the Hogwarts school. He was also the gamekeeper at the school and taught young wizards about all the various um, magical creatures of the wizarding world. Now, many of these creatures were dangerous and quite frightening at first glance. Therefore, they were avoided and feared. 
Yet big, lovable Hagrid always found a way to show the children how these creatures, while wild, were also quite misunderstood. Therefore, their beauty and majesty were also missed. As a pastor, I have to admit, I feel a little bit like Hagrid whenever I turn to the book of Revelation for a sermon text. Thanks to groups like the Branch Davidians and a wild left-behind fiction series, John's Revelation has become an avoided, feared, and misunderstood text within the Christian canon of Scripture. For John Calvin, the key theologian of our Presbyterian Reformed heritage, Revelation is the one New Testament book he did not write a commentary for. Yet this often feared, misunderstood, and avoided text is really a book of hope and a guide for how to bear witness to Jesus in our world today. And, friends, I believe it is a wonderful text to turn to to help us begin our conversation on on, um, caring for God's creation today. First, though, let's start with the ground rule. And this one is from our friend Brian Blunt, uh, who is a Revelation scholar and president at Union Seminary, and he preached here at WPC a few years back, if you recall. The title of the book is Revelation, not Revelations, as it is often said. Blunt will often say that the Apostle John's work contains many visions, but only one revelation, that Jesus Christ is Lord of heaven and earth. Also, Blunt and recent scholars have discovered that John's revelation is not so much about predicting the end of the world as it is about equipping Christians to live in and bear witness to the realities of this world here and now. Much of the frightening imagery in Revelation is actually metaphors for the Roman Empire and specifically the emperor. For instance, the feared number or mark of the beast, 666, is actually a way in Hebrew to code someone's name, which in this case would be Caesar Nero. John's imagery seeks to equip Christians in Roman-occupied areas in present-day Greece and Turkey to find ways to bear witness to the risen Christ in the midst of empire no matter what it costs. Now, while we may not face the same kind of persecution that John's community uh, did, we have more and more been alerted to the stakes of climate change if we do not act quickly and thoroughly as a society. Yet it remains such a divisive issue in our day. And like John's revelation, it becomes a confusing, perplexing, and misunderstood one as well. I think our text this morning helps us get our conversation going, which will continue, as I said, downstairs in the fellowship hall right after service. This dialogue will be brought into the sermon next Sunday as our community's kind of shared response to the issue of climate change and creation care. As I've said and will continue to say, everyone and every opinion and every perspective on or feeling on this issue, are welcomed, but also needed. Our text from the end of Revelation is my favorite from the book. As John here describes the new heaven and earth revealed before him, 
because the first heaven and first earth had passed away. Sadly, many have used this text in the church to argue that Christians don't need to worry at all about creation, that God's just going to give us a new one anyway. Well, friends, regardless of your perspective on climate change, I can tell you as a somewhat of a Bible scholar that this is a misreading of John's words in Revelation. Rather than a dismissal, this vision of a new heaven and earth is an affirmation of God's good creation, of the world here and now as we have it. John does not describe the destruction of the current world, but rather the renewing of creation with God right here present among us as God has always been, doing the work of redeeming and restoring the world as it is. We can see what this renewing of creation looks like as John describes it. We only get a little bit of it today. We'll get the rest of it next week or another snippet of it next week. John describes the renewal of heaven and earth mostly by saying what's, by saying what's not present, what isn't there. The most striking of these, I think, is that there's no more sea, which sounds a little odd to us today. But back then in John's time, the sea was seen as a wild, chaotic place. Storms could pop up and wipe out entire ships or even, even uh, seaside towns. If you remember back to the creation story of Genesis 1, um, in the story of creation, water is the chaotic element. It's the one thing that needs to be calmed, that needs to be ordered. God calms the chaotic waters by separating the waters above the earth, the firmament or sky, from the waters below, and then causing land to, to rise up from the waters below to, to separate sea from land. The sea, though, was also the means by which Rome would come to occupy these territories which John was writing to. And the sea was also what separated John from these seven churches as he writes from exile in Patmos. But it's not just the sea that's gone in this renewed heaven and earth. But now there's also no more pain, nor more suffering, no more death. God has shown up and wiped away all of our tears, every heartache from our eyes, Basically, what we see here, friends, is a vision where God promises that everything that stands in the way of human flourishing, and really the flourishing of all creation, is now no more. Nothing can get in the way of our flourishing and of our living in love and peace with God and one another. This is what the new heaven and new earth looks like. Then all this becomes so clear as the voice from the throne, understood to be God the Father, speaks only for the second time in the entire book. And what does this divine voice say? See, I am making all things new. God does not create all new things, but God creates all things new. Very important distinction here. God is like your favorite HGTV star who seek to renovate an old home, not from starting from scratch and wiping the slate clean, but rather to work with what is and seek to restore its original beauty, charm, and character. 
The God we know in Christ does not seek to start over, but rather is a renovator, a restorer, seeking to bring about the goodness and very fulfillment of creation. Interestingly, when the divine says these words, I am making all things new, they're spoken in the present tense in Greek. So often people think of Revelation as a book about what will happen in the future, but here as the divine speaks, God does not so much predict the future as reveal the present. God is making all things new. Not someday, now, here and now. God does not withdraw from a broken world, but is right there present in the midst of it seeking to make all things new, bringing about the fulfillment and flourishing of all creatures and creation itself, wiping away all of our tears, all of our sadness, all that holds us back from fully loving God and each other. Friends, it seems to me that these are perfect words to call ourselves to a time of reflection and dialogue about an issue like climate change. Just as God is making all things new right here and now in the present, how will we partner with God in caring for and transforming the brokenness of our creation? How might we seek to join God in bringing about the flourishing of all of God's creatures in creation itself? Of course, to do this, friends, we have to gather together. We have to do the difficult work of listening to each other discerning, praying, responding together in faith. We all come to this issue with different experiences and perspectives, and all of those are valid and need to be heard. Yet it's when we seek to understand each other in faith and love that we get the clearest glimpse of God's presence here with us right now. Friends, as I said, after service, we'll gather downstairs in the fellowship hall to, to begin this time. Um, This isn't a one-and-done thing, but rather beginning our conversation together as a community, seeing where it leads us. So I, I really hope you can come to join together, to seek to listen to folks with different perspectives and experiences from you, and seek to see God's presence here among us, bringing about the renewal, the restoration, the revitalization of creation here among us. Friends, the text is so clear. God has made God's home here among us right now. Friends, let's participate with our God in making all things new. May it be so, friends. Amen.